<laughs> All right, Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, verse 22. As you know, the book of Proverbs is, uh, of course, aimed at young men. In particular, there's a lot of wisdom for all of us, but it's directly speaking to young men. This is what he says. He says in Proverbs 23, verse 22, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. I want to preach this morning on the Christian motherhood, a high calling. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to be here and to Preach your word, and Lord, I pray that your presence come down and your spirit bear witness to the truth of it. Lord, we, we realize that we're not um, worthy of the mercies you've shown us and the responsibilities you've given us, God, but I pray that you'd help us to execute them the best, the best we can and be faithful to you in, in the preaching of your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say this morning that a godly mother holds a position of lofty spiritual power. Now, you know the modernists and the liberals attack the Bible as outdated. And one of the big things that they say shows the Bible is outdated is this teaching of a wife's submission to her husband. They cannot stand this idea. And the Bible's real clear on that. If you read the Bible with any literal interpretation of it whatsoever, you couldn't miss that. And of course, that's not cool in our day. Uh, but that's what the Word of God teaches, and we're not going to make any apology for it. And uh, just as uh, when a man doesn't treat his wife right, he doesn't honor her uh, as the weaker vessel, his prayers are hindered. Hindered Likewise, when a woman has trouble with submission to her husband, um, the Bible says the Word of God is blasphemed. And that's not a good thing. And the Bible doesn't make any apology for it. And we're not going to go, oh, that's not cool to think that anymore. Well, let's just change right quick. No, we're going to stick with the eternal words of God. Amen. And we're not going to make any apology for it. Uh, but one thing that needs to be said as we talk about these things is that in no religion is a virtuous woman honored as much as in Bible-believing Christianity. One of the things that makes you know they're lying when they say that they're all concerned about the old-fashioned Christians because they have wives who are in submission to their husbands is the fact that these people are so welcoming to cultures and religions that are very degrading to women. How can the same people claim they don't like old-fashioned Christianity because it has a wife in submission to her husband when you welcome other societies that are far more degrading to women. Amen. There's one answer. You're a dirty liar. Amen. And we caught you in your lie. Yeah. You couldn't care less about women. You're just doing whatever is politically or monetarily expedient for you at the moment. That's correct. That's what the problem is. And of course, one of the great reasons that women are given such a place of honor in our society is because of the great influence of godly mothers in our society as a result largely of biblical Christianity. And there are a lot of examples of this. John Newton 
ran away as a teenager, breaking his mother's heart so he could be a sailor. I'm not trying to hurt any feelings, but, uh, you know, there's a reason they say cussing like a sailor. Amen. <laughs> Sailors are not known for um, great morality, although thank God there are exceptions. But his mother prayed and cried over him. And you know what happened? He became a heartless slave trader. But she continued praying for a miracle in her son John's heart. And finally he was saved and wrote Amazing Grace. Amen. Then he led a man to the Lord named Thomas Scott, who won thousands of souls to Christ, including another man named William Cooper. It's spelled like Cowper, but they tell me that you're supposed to pronounce it Cooper. Who wrote, There is a fountain filled with blood. And he was a friend of Newton's. Susanna Wesley shut herself in her room an hour each day to pray for her children, all 17 of them. One of them was named John Wesley, and one of them named Charles Wesley. So this morning, let's look at motherhood and the great ministry that it can be. And we'll look at its obligations, we'll look at its opportunities, and we'll look at its honors. All right, first of all, let's notice about Christian motherhood that there is an obligation required. Uh, you can be a mother in the sense that you give birth to somebody and have very little obligation to it. The first obligation I'll mention is natural affection. God already put in a mother a natural affection for the child that is born to her. That's very Amen. true. There is a lot in the Christian life that God has already programmed into us ahead of time. And you have to be in a society that teaches you to go wrong for a long time and you continue in it before you mess some of those basic things up. The Bible says, uh, the Apostle Paul writing that in the last days, men shall be without natural affection. You know what that tells me? That tells me they've been messed up a long time and they kept going in it. I mean, none of us are perfect, but we still have natural affection. It's in our nature. If you find somebody that is without natural affection, you're dealing with somebody that's been going the wrong way a long time. Amen. And one of the things that will shock you sometimes is Sometimes they've been sitting in a church pew for years of that while they were That's going true. the wrong way. Dad's looking at some dirty pictures on the screen that you didn't know about. Dad's doing some stuff you didn't know about that has messed them up, and they're without even their natural things that God gave them that would help them do right. Now, a lot of times, they don't get me wrong, they've dropped out of church for years, but other times they've been going on in that stuff while sitting in a church pew. You don't know. So the first obligation is natural affection. Here's another obligation. Witnessing for Jesus. Boy, I thank God when I was a little boy, my mama would sit and read to me. She would tell me Bible stories. She would read me books. I got my love of reading from mama reading to me. She would read little books till I had them memorized. <laughs> 
if she was getting kind of tired laying there and starting to doze off and got a word or two of it wrong, I'd correct her and I couldn't even read. But she read them so much to me, I knew what they were supposed to say. And I, I love reading to this day. One of the things you ought to be telling children is the Lord Jesus is somebody you ought to put your faith and your trust in. They need to be hearing that from a very young age. Amen. They need to be hearing, open your heart door and let Jesus in yes. from a very small stature. Paul talking about Timothy. As a matter of fact, let me just read it, call, turn to that passage so I can get the whole verse and get it worded exactly right. 2 Timothy 1, I think I'm wanting here. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So here was a guy that got the attention of the Apostle Paul, God's spokesman for that age, so much that he was thinking about this young man every day in his prayers. Wow, what was going on with this young man where he was that important? Verse for greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So ever since Timothy was a young man, through his grandmother and mother, there was unfeigned faith. I looked up that word feign. So I would know what unfeigned means. You know what feign means? It means to pretend. Amen. Let me tell you what's been going on for generations. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's real bad right now. But even in previous generations here in the Bible Belt, there was a lot of pretend faith in our church pews. Even in previous generations. You know what made Timothy different? He had a grandmother and mother that were not pretending with their faith. Amen. They meant business. It wasn't something they did for an hour on Sunday morning. It was a way they lived their lives. Amen. Hey, did you read your Bible this morning? Let God speak to you. Did you pray and speak to Him? That's more important than you're not <coughs> sitting in a church pew. And Amen. don't get me wrong, I'm a pastor of a church. I believe in church. I refer to all the uh, mes uh, mentions of church in the Bible. I think it's important. But more important is your personal relationship with God. Amen. But I have noticed that the closer somebody's personal relationship with God is, the more they want to be in church. Because <laughs> that's yeah. one place he shows up. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. But Timothy's mom and grandmother had an unfeigned faith. So some obligations are required in Christian motherhood. Number one, natural affection. Do you know just that one is really good? Mm -hmm. Did you know you can get a real good picture of God from parents that love you and take care of you even if they're not the Christians that they should be? Just that is really good. But not just natural affection, witnessing for Jesus. Furthermore, teaching. Proverbs chapter 31, we read that before Sunday school. Verse 1 says, the prophecy of King Lemuel that his mother taught him. 
You can tell when a child has had somebody talk to them and explain them and teach them some things. They know some things. Even though they don't go by it, they at least know how it's supposed to be. I'm afraid we're coming up in a generation of people that don't even know how it's supposed to look. Amen. They don't even know what a man is supposed to be like. A woman is supposed to be like. A family is supposed to be like. An economy is supposed to be like. A decent society is supposed to be like. You can tell in their language. You can tell by how they live. Natural affection. Witnessing for Jesus. Teaching. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 and Proverbs chapter 6 verse 20 tells you twice. Forsake not the law of thy mother. There ought to be some ways you're teaching, but the most important one is by your own example and influence. They say more is caught than taught. John Quincy Adams said, and he was the sixth president and son of the second president of the United States, he said this, he said, All that I am, my mother made me. Wow. I mean, he had a father that was a saved man by all accounts. He had a father that, you know, expected a lot from him and drilled him and made him, you know, do his lessons and had him very intelligent. But he and his father weren't close. His dad would be gone for years at a time serving his country. I'm glad that he did. But it was because of his mother that he was everything he was according according to his own testimony. D.L. Moody, a million converts to Jesus Christ. That's a pretty important guy. Amen. How would you like it said of you that you had a million converts to the Lord Jesus Christ in your preaching and personal witness? Unbelievable. Yes. Here's what he said. All that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. Thomas Edison, he kind of changed things, didn't he? He was the, uh, oh, what's the guy? What's the guy that did the iPhone? Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah, Steve Jobs. He was the Steve Jobs of his day. Amen. (laughs) He said of his mother, if it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never have become an inventor. My mother was the making of me. I heard the story finally just this week that explains that quotation. Here's what happened. One day, Thomas Edison came home and gave a paper to his mother. He told her, my teacher gave this paper to me and told me to only give it to my mother. His mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. And he became the man that invented the light bulb and moving pictures and Lord knows what. After many, many years, after Edison's mother died, and he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century, one day he was looking through old family things. Suddenly he saw a folded paper in the corner of a drawer in a desk. He took it and opened it up. On the paper was written, Your son is addled, which means mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. That letter 
did not say he was a genius. <laughs> it did not say they didn't have good enough teachers for him. It said, he's mentally ill. You just teach him yourself. <laughs> Edison cried for hours. And then he wrote in his diary, Thomas Alva Edison was an adult child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. Um, teach by example. When everybody else doesn't think that there is any hope, you still trust. Amen. When everybody else doesn't think there's any use, you still try. Now, there's no guarantee. I'm sure Thomas Edison did have some problems there with the teacher who was in home. I'm not pretending that he didn't. I'm saying his mother loved him and didn't give up and try. I think that's interesting that she never did tell him what that letter actually said. I didn't come across that story until this, this week. But not only by uh, example and influence, also by words. You should tell stories as Mama did me and teach morals and remind people of them. You know why? You forget. Some of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life, I made when I knew completely better than to have done it. Me too. Amen. But... I just hadn't read about that or studied about it for several months or a couple years, and I forgot. <laughs> you know why you need to read your Bible every day? Because you'll forget. Oh, yeah. You know why you need to be in church every time the doors are open and not when you feel like it? Because you'll forget. You better constantly have reminders. This is in ancient literature, this goes back a ways. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, one of the great um, passages in the Bible that is repeated in the Word of God and is very important for the very things that we're talking about this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Moses preached, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and all thy gates. You know what will happen? You'll forget. Yeah. You teach them the children. You talk about it when you're walking around. You put it on a bandana on your head. You write it on places on your house. You put it everywhere because you will forget. Amen. Roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Just remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Some of the worst mistakes you'll ever make will be ones that you knew better than, but you forgot in the moment. Natural affection, witnessing for Jesus, teaching. Here's, a, here's an important one. Refusal to fear man. 
The fear of man bringeth a snare. You know why sometimes you'll mess around and allow stuff with your kids that you really shouldn't have? Because you was worried about what some of the family and some of the people around you would think. You better hadn't worried. The more and more we resemble Sodom and Gomorrah, the less and less we should care what this nasty society thinks about Amen. what we're teaching children. They're the ones that are leading children into perversion. What we're teaching children should look very different, almost opposite in many ways. It is opposite of what a perverted society teaches children. We shouldn't be worried about it. There are plenty of Christians that are saying, oh, I'm afraid I'll look too weird if I do that. You ought to look too weird in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Refusal to fear man. But here's an important one. Love God more. Don't let your children be number one in your life. Amen. When a child or any human being is number one in your life, they can only get up to here. But when Jesus is number one in your life, the child can get way up to here and still be under Jesus. But as long as all they are is number one in your heart, they can just get up to where your heart is. Do you understand that? There are many children who have been wrecked by being number one in their mama's hearts. Now don't misunderstand. Your children should be near the top. <laughs> don't misunderstand. But never above Jesus. Amen. He can get them way higher. Than you ever dreamed. Amen. You give them to Jesus from day one. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now we understand hate doesn't mean you literally hate him in the sense you want to kill him. We, mean it mean, we understand it means love less. Yeah. You need to love them less than you love God. Yeah. You say, I couldn't put anybody ahead of my kids. Then you can never have what's best for your kids. Because Jesus can do a better job than you can. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. There's some obligation required. Natural affection, witnessing for Jesus, teaching, refusal to fear man, love God more. Oh, here's a bad one. <laughs> willingness to part with them. Uh -oh. Man, leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Oh, the heartbreak of my life was as my children became adults. And I had to let them go. Mm, I didn't do that well. Still can't do it real well. He says that in Genesis. He says that in Matthew. He says that in Ephesians. Parents, you have a window of opportunity. And then you have to let them go. Now don't misunderstand. I teach from the other side that the children, even after they're adults, should still honor their parents. And if they're Bible-believing Christian parents, pretty much all the time, certainly most of the time, they should still obey the way their parents led them because it was clearly based on Scripture and love for the child. 
So from the child's perspective, hey, you still should be pretty well following godly parents. But from the parent's perspective, it's hands off. And that is not a point I want to preach, I assure you. But three times in Scripture he says, leave their father and mother, leave their father and mother, leave their father and mother. So if I'm going to preach a Scripture, I have to preach it. From the parent's perspective, it is hands off. The prodigal son. And that wonderful story where the father was, hands off. Amen. The son came back to him. I I don't want that any more than nothing. By the way, next next month, Lord willing, I'm going to go up there and see some of mine. And no, I'm not going to try to force them back here as bad tempted as I am. <laughs> but I'm going to let them know the offer is open. <laughs> Love God more. Willingness to part. Here's another important one. Consistent seeking for help from Christ. Listen, you better pray and you better pray often for your children. You better keep going. Just like he said, you speak of these things when you lay down and when you rise up and on your head and on the house and everywhere, you talk about these things. You need to talk about your kids to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to pray. Consistent seeking for help from Christ. Remember the parable of the unjust judge? Jesus said, hey, you learn from this guy. Here was a widow that just kept coming to him. He said, I'm going to defend her, if nothing else, to get her off my back. How much more should we keep going to God? Yes. Three to story in Matthew chapter 15 about a mama that knew to go to Jesus with her child. What a wonderful story this is. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. These were not, you know, your clean, separated, godly living people as a rule in that region. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Help me. She had already tried. The disciples wanted rid of her. Do you know how many people had quit on God because some Christians didn't treat them right? Here was a woman going to Jesus and the disciples didn't want her around. Said, get rid of her. And she kept coming. Hey, listen, I love Victory Baptist Church. People of Victory Baptist Church have done me right. But let me tell you what the Victory Baptist Church cannot do for you. It cannot help you. <coughs> but the Lord Jesus Christ can you come to Victory Baptist Church, you come here to get help from Jesus, not from us. We're human. We'll, we'll mess you up. I hate to admit it. We're Christians. We're doing the best we can. But I've done made too many mistakes to have a whole lot of confidence in myself. Amen. But Jesus Christ can help you. If we offend you, you keep going to Jesus for help. That's where your help will come from if, if it comes at all. She said, 
Verse 25 says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. <laughs> Alright, now he's insulted her on top of that. The disciples didn't want her around and he's... You know, sometimes the Lord will test you. See if you really want him or not. Yeah, amen. When's the last time one of you ladies went to get help from somebody that you thought was a nice man and he insulted you and called you a dog? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that'll tell me is whether or not you really mean business about getting help from him. Because right. that is the perfect excuse to walk off and say, well, he's not nice. Right. Uh, I know the Lord real well. At this point in my life, I have spent, I, I can't imagine how many hours with him. Praying, reading my Bible, trying to live for him, messing up on him and having to make up with him. I know him real well at this point. Let me tell you. He's not always nice. <laughs> he has let me have it for weeks and months, in a few cases, years at a time. But he is exactly what you need. <laughs> Some of the old school masters were not nice. Amen. But they come out of there knowing mathematics that kids in our public schools today would be so confused by they couldn't even open the book. They come out of there knowing Latin and other languages that kids, most of the kids today, wouldn't even dream of knowing. I was dealing with a guy the other day and going over his bill with him, and he was just spitting off the answers, and I was working on a calculator, and he was having them right. And I said, well, you didn't even have to use a calculator. He said, oh, no, I went to school in Europe, not America. <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. I could not help but laugh. He said, we, we don't use calculators. We do all that in our head. Uh, if you're being educated in America, you know, well, bless your heart, I better not finish that sentence. I'll be in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> I remember Dr. Ruckman would be up there doing his chalk talk, you know, and the chalk wouldn't work good. He'd throw it away and say, it must have been made in America for suckers. <laughs> oh, he made some people mad. Uh, let me tell you something. You say, oh, I don't believe in trashing America like that. I think we're the... I grant you we're the greatest, but we're the greatest because of the blessing of God, not because we're so smart. Amen. But nevertheless, she said, uh, he, he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Amen. Uh, buddy, when you'll sit there and take your place as a dog and say, Amen, Lord, but if I'm your dog, it's your job to feed me. The Lord had nothing else to say. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. You better consistently seek for help from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's obligation required. Now let's look at opportunity realized. Now there's obligation involved, but let me tell you something. There is great opportunity in having a young child you get to raise for the Lord. Uh, they tell us, many uh, who have a different philosophy than we do, that when you're a mother, especially a stay-at-home mother uh, with kids all day, you are missing opportunities. Oh, you are giving up some things that would be so important and so fulfilling to you. And I'm not against people having careers, ladies having careers. That's fine. If that's God's will for you, amen. You obey Him. But let me tell you something. 
It's a great opportunity to bring up children for the Lord. Amen. It is a great, don't ever think for a moment that doing God's will and God's plan for your life is missing opportunities. It is a tremendous realization of opportunities. One of them is you're saved from deception. 1 Timothy 2, 14 and 15 says, The woman being deceived was in the, was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, charity, holiness. There is a whole movement of therapists and psychiatrists and authors and podcast people and YouTube video people that is trying to help women who have gone a different route and had all these degrees of attainment and then are realizing they missed some things that are more important to them than the attainment that they reached. And they've got coaches, and they've got therapists, and they've got psychiatrists, and they've got authors, and they've got people they're going to to try to get some help to get back some of the things they thought was so important. You know what would happen? They were deceived. Now again, I'm not amen. preaching against a woman having a, having a career. If that's God's will for your life, amen. That's fine. You follow God's will for your life. But there are a lot of people that didn't do it because it was God's will for their life. They did it because they were deceived into thinking it was God's will for her life. And then said, wait a minute, I'm missing some things that deep down I really want. And deep down I kind of always knew I wanted. Deception. There's a reason the serpent went to the woman when Adam was not around. Now don't take this further than I'm taking it. There's plenty of men get deceived too. Oh yeah. But it is particularly true of the lady. That's who he went to. That's who the serpent went to. There are lies that are being told. They're being propagated all over the internet all over our society, all over our seats of higher learning. What is some opportunity that you get being a Christian mother? Number one, it helps in being saved from deception. Number two, happiness is attained in it. Psalm 113 verse 9, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. I can't help but laugh as I even read that. Keep house and be a joyful mother of children. That is contradictory to much of our society. Yes, the last thing they want to do is keep house and mother children. Oh, how much work. Oh, how depressing. When you do it in accordance with the Word of God, it is a joyful thing. It is a happy thing. Now, it, now, let's be fair and let's be honest here. It is a tiring thing. It is a lot of work. I don't remember how many children Bob Jones Sr., uh, how many, many children his mother had, but it was a lot. I think maybe 11. I think maybe he was the 11th child, if I remember that story correctly. And you know what he said? He said, the memory of my mother is the memory of a tired woman. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'll give you that. I, I am not going to sugarcoat this and not tell you the truth about it. It is a lot of work. But the Bible talks about it as a joyful thing. If it is not a joyful thing, 
you're not doing something the way the Bible teaches it. There's something somewhere you're not obeying the Lord in some point. Because it is a joyful thing. So the opportunity realized is saved from deception and happiness can be attained. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no heartbreak to go with it. Oh, some of the most joyful things you'll ever do in life will come with some big heartbreak. <laughs> go out courting. Get you a sweetheart. And go to the next one and the next one and the next one. You'll go through some heartbreak. Why are you doing that? For the hope of the joy that is there when you get the right one. Go out there and get you a career. Decide you're going to make a million dollars. You'll have failure, 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 even if you do finally succeed. Anything in life, even if it brings joy, has some heartache that goes before it oftentimes. Opportunity realized. All right, now in closing, let's look at honor and rejoicing. Honor and rejoicing. Rather than missing fame and thrill, motherhood provides great honors. We're in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. Let's look down at verse 24. The Bible says, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. There's honor that comes with being a godly mother. Look at uh, chapter 31, the famous passage on the virtuous woman that is taught and read so often. It says in Proverbs 31, verse 28, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor and is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. There is honor that comes, and comes from the people that know you the best. If the righteous, if you're righteous, it says, Thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Furthermore, they're crowned with rejoicing in heaven. You know where the real pay comes for being a godly mother? When you get home to glory. The Apostle Paul said, What is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Honor, joy, blessing. There's some obligation required, but there's an opportunity realized, and there's honor and rejoicing that comes with it. There is no more honorable profession than the profession of a godly mother. I put it up with any of them. Oh, yeah. There is nothing more important. There may be some that are as important, but there is nothing more important. Amen. That's a tremendous one. The people of the United States have proved that they believe this somewhat by the return of so many people to make that their primary function every time the economy booms. Every time the economy booms, you start hearing in the news that there's more women who go home to be full-time homemakers and mothers. You know what that tells us? That tells us we know that there's something good to it. Again, I realize that's not possible for everyone, but there are a bunch more people that do it every time the economy booms. They know it. This is one of the few encouraging trends even as things go down, down, down. You know why? Because it is 
tapping into something that God naturally put inside of us. If you're here today and you're saved and you're a mother, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. I've preached primarily to mothers, but let me say, there is definitely an application of that to every single one of us. Every single one of us have received a ministry from the Lord. Just do your best to fulfill it. You say, but I can't make things turn out the way I want to. I can't make things turn out perfectly. It's not your job to make things turn out right. It's your job to be faithful in what you can be doing. It is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. You say, but I've made some mistakes. Every single one of us have. Be faithful. To the best of your ability, do the best you've got and be faithful to it and leave the rest to God. I promise you, I, I hate to discourage anybody, but I promise you anything you ever try, you'll make some mistakes out. But you can be faithful. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word and look at this 